Welcome to the Radiant Church Podcast. I'm glad you're here. Grab a Bible or open up your favorite Bible app as we get into God's Word together. How y'all feeling this morning? Wonderful. Wonderful. I got one person excited. How y'all feeling this morning? Hey, man. Well, I have to tell y'all, I'm really excited to preach God's Word this morning. I have a confession that normally when I have to preach, I'm not that excited. I'm just going to keep it 100, which is that all right? Amen. Because something about standing in front of people, you know, ain't really my thing. I like to be, you know, behind the scenes, all that other good stuff. Um, when you get an opportunity to share God with people, um, you should be excited about that opportunity. And God has given me such grace over this past few weeks as I prepared this message um, for me and for you. Um, before I get started, I want to acknowledge that Pastor Philip is back in the building. Amen. Y'all don't understand. Sometimes when the leader of the house is back, when the shepherd is back, it does something. Amen. There's something about effective leadership. It is felt when it's not here. So we thank you in advance and are grateful that he and his family are back in worship this morning. So I'm going to read the text, and then we're going to go ahead and, and pray. We're going to be reading from Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. It's a familiar story about blind Bartimaeus. How many of you have heard about blind Bartimaeus before? I'm hoping that today you'll get a different perspective, perhaps a new perspective, as God breathes new life into his word this morning. And it says, Then they came to Jericho, as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, that is, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man and said, cheer up, get on your feet, for he is calling you. Throwing his cloak to the side, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. And Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray right now, Father, that you begin to fill this place with your spirit. Father, I pray that closed eyes will be open. Father, I pray that closed hearts will begin to be molded by your word. Holy Spirit, you are welcome within this place. Father, I'm relying on you to bring to life and to bring before your people your word. I am nothing more than a vessel. 
what you have intended for this morning. And I pray that I'm faithful and effectively delivering your word this morning. In Jesus' name, we pray. And the church said, amen. Amen. So we're going to do a small exercise before I jump into the message, right? I don't know if you have ever heard of a talkback church. You heard of a talkback church? The type of church that says amen, right? <laughs> That'll talk back to you when you say something, right? So none of my questions are like these rhetorical questions where you're supposed to be silent and sort of, you know, grasp this sort of new wisdom. Like I'm talking to you, right? So my hope is that you talk back to me. Amen? 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 Y'all are fast learners. Y'all are real fast learners. So the second thing I'm going to ask you to do, right, is I want you to stand up, stand to your feet. So be really quick, really quick, really quick exercise. And I want you to open your hands like this. And I want you to look toward heaven. I want your eyes to be closed. This is a, one of the ways in which we posture for worship. This is one of the ways in which we posture ourselves for worship. I'm going to let you sit down in just a moment. The Bible says endure hardness as a good soldier. So you'll be okay just for a moment. This morning, I want us to take a closer look at this story. And my intent right here in this moment is just to paint a picture for you. As we think about the encounter between Jesus and Bartimaeus. We have Jesus, he's on his way to be killed. He's on his way toward death at Calvary. He's headed to Jerusalem. He knows for a fact that when he gets there that the Jews are going to reject him. He'll be turned over to the Gentiles. He'll be beaten and flogged and spat on. But on the third day, he will rise again. And this posture that you're in right now is reference of that reality. Open up your eyes and be seated. So the text opens up where Jesus himself is being surrounded by a whole bunch of people. The Bible says there was a large crowd that surrounded Jesus. He was on his way to die. There'll be Jews that are around him. There'll be Gentiles around him. And as he was walking on his way to Jerusalem, it would not be uncommon for rabbis to be walking and, and teaching along the way. But the thing that was abnormal about this particular time is that as he was walking, the crowds grew. The crowds began to grow. And you wonder why in the world, as Jesus is walking through this particular town, that the crowd itself begins to grow. And why is it swelling with these individuals, right, um, who would come to know Jesus? Well, one of the reasons um, is because he was postured in such a way as he headed toward Jerusalem that commanded those that were around him to pay attention a little bit deeper. See, just before this story began in the text, he had just predicted his third prediction of his death, his third prediction of his death. And he's surrounded by people who, quite frankly, still don't really know him. The Jews continue to be blind, even though he's tried to tell them and show them so many times exactly who he is. 
The disciples, even after seeing him perform miracles and demonstrate his divinity time and time again, the disciples, even of themselves, still seem a bit blind to who Jesus is. They still didn't know him. And the large crowd that was surrounding Jesus didn't recognize him, and they won't until after he died and is resurrected. How many of you, just taking a poll, have been surrounded by people who don't really know you? Right? They can tell you your birthday. They can tell you random facts. If you say, I got a number one through 10, they'll say it's probably going to be seven to three that you pick, right? Like, you know, like they just know the facts about you, but they don't know you. It's amazing how you can be surrounded by people and still feel alone. A large crowd surrounded Jesus, the Bible said, but they still did not know him. So as we think about people who know facts about you but don't know the real you, here's the real question. Ask them one day, what breaks my heart or brings me joy? What breaks my heart or brings me joy? You'll find out really quickly that those that are around you may not know you the way that they think that they know you. That the facts may not be enough. And this is precisely what Jesus is experiencing in this particular moment. He's surrounded by tons of people who really just don't know who he is. They knew exactly what he could do for them, but he didn't know, or they didn't know, excuse me, who he was. So on the way to Jerusalem, he and his disciples passed through the city of Jericho. And I love the imagery of Jericho. The Bible says that as Jesus was headed through Jericho, it was considered a place of, uh, of smells, right? A fragrant place. It was a city abounding with plants like roses and balsam and cypress. Honey abounded within the place, right? Like there was something about this area that you could almost just smell through the text as Jesus was passing through. But there was a fragrance that would be entering into Jericho this day that was like none other. Jesus himself will be entering into the city of Jericho. The Bible calls him the rose of Sharon and the lily of valleys. He would be walking through, and the fragrance of his glory would fill the city. As people continued to gather, it was not uncommon that it would continue to grow, that all the people would continue to go around it, because during this particular time, during Passover, people made their way to Jerusalem through Jericho, one of the main roads that headed to the temple. This is the road that Jesus was on. And news must have got out that Jesus was around, right? By this time in his ministry, he had already cleansed, um, cleansed leprosy. He had already raised uh, someone from the dead. He had already spat in someone's eye and healed them for being blind. He had already had the encounter with the Syrophoenician woman, right? He had already had these encounters. So something must have got out about Jesus around this time because people began to inquire about Jesus. In fact, as he entered into Jericho, a guy named Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus was very interesting as he pops up in this story because Zacchaeus is one of the wealthiest men in the town of Jericho, and he saw Jesus as he was coming into the town. This story is not found in Mark. It's, told in, it's in the Luke version, Luke 19, if you're looking for it. But Zacchaeus, he in and of himself shows up just so he can have an encounter with Jesus. But the Bible says Zacchaeus was little. Y'all think I'm looking? <laughs> Look it up. Um, Zacchaeus was short, but he wanted to lay eyes on Jesus. There was something about the moment as Jesus entered the town that he had to lay eyes 
on Jesus. And I don't know about you and how you live your life, but there's sometimes that there's an intensity on the inside of you that you just need to lay eyes on the king. You need to know that his presence is around. You need to know with all your heart, with sincerity, that you, when you need to see Jesus, that he will show up. Well, this was Zacchaeus' opportunity, y'all. This was Zacchaeus' opportunity. But he was short. So he couldn't see Jesus amongst the crowd. But you knew that the moment was incredibly intense because Zacchaeus would go and climb a sycamore tree. He would go and climb a tree just so he can lay eyes on Jesus. When is the last time we had such an intensity about the presence of God that we'd be willing to do anything just to be in his presence? When is the last time we hungered and thirsted for God in such a way that we'd be willing to do anything required just to lay eyes on him? See, what you got to understand is Zacchaeus, there was no promise to Zacchaeus at the time. There was no promise. But he said, I just need to see him. I just need to lay eyes on him. I need to know that he's there. The Bible says as Jesus continued to walk, he calls Zacchaeus down from the tree. Now, you can imagine somebody who's just trying to spy on Jesus, and Jesus is like, yo, you and that tree come down here, right? Like, that would have been like a spooky thing, right? Like, nobody knew that he was up in a tree but him. You know what I'm saying? So, as Jesus was passing, he says, Zacchaeus, come down from the tree. They had a brief exchange, and the Bible says that Jesus saves Zacchaeus in that very moment. And you can imagine that at that time, even more people... No, Jesus is like, yo, like, this is a lot of folks following me, right? But after you perform such a thing, right, after you forgive someone of their sins, remember, this is the thing that got Jesus in trouble in the first place. Only God can forgive sin. But in the midst of all the people that were around, he said, no, I'm forgiving your sin. I'm saving you here in this particular moment. There's something about Jesus that he's trying to teach us. And although very few people in the crowd recognized the magnitude of the moment that the Son of God himself was walking amongst them, that the Savior of the world was in their midst. There was one man in the crowd that did recognize Jesus, not just as the Son of God, but the Son of David. And we're going to talk about what that means in just a moment. But Bartimaeus, the guy that affectionately known as the blind Bartimaeus, the most people who read the text, right? He knew something different when Jesus had walked by. We're going to talk briefly about Bartimaeus' condition, and then we're going to talk about Bartimaeus' cry, and then we're going to talk about Bartimaeus' cure. Right? So here's, how, here's where we're going to start. We're going to start with this idea that Bartimaeus was a blind beggar. A blind beggar. And we like to harp on the fact that he was blind and, you know, convert the story, you know, but he had spiritual vision. You know, like I've heard all the messages too, right? We're not going to stay here long, but here's what I need you to understand, is that when you look at somebody who is blind and who is a beggar. They are the lowest of the low in the city. They're assumed to have disease. They're assumed to be somebody who should be other than within the area that they were occupying, right? Bartimaeus was, was nobody that he would be looked to for, for much of anything, right? But he heard the crowds as they were rushing through the streets. And he's like, yo, what is this sound that I'm hearing? And many times for individuals who are blind, you can search it, you can look it up, is people who are blind have heightened senses elsewhere, right? So they may be able to hear, right, something different, right? And so what's happening is, is that Bartimaeus is like, I hear something. And so what he did was he asked the people who were around him, 
What is that sound? The response was, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth. And so as he waited, I can imagine that Bartimaeus had some knowledge of Jesus prior to the fact because he called Jesus the son of David, which we'll get to in just a moment, right? But he calls him the son of David, sort of this messianic promise, this idea that he is from the lineage of David and he's the rightful king. And so as Jesus began to approach, you hear this random cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And you can imagine as Jesus was walking, how are you going to hear a single person when you have crowds of people all the way around you yelling, screaming, doing all the stuff that people do in crowds, right? But there is something about this desperation, this plea to Jesus. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life, y'all, where I needed this same kind of mercy. Why I needed this, this encounter with God that would light me on fire again. See, many of us in the church, that we've lost this passion that Bartimaeus is displaying. We've lost our ability to plead with God in a way that would bring him along, right? Like, there's, a, there, there's an intensity, y'all, that sometimes when you're by yourself and nobody's around, and you know every single thing that's in front of you. You know every single thing that's encountering you. Everything that's wrong with you, you see better than everybody else. You can't make no right decisions. There's something about needing God in the moment. That when you shout, that when you shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the Bible says that everybody around him starts telling, be quiet. Be quiet, Bartimaeus. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus, be quiet. This is the king of kings. What are you doing? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. What if he actually looks at you? What if he actually turns to you and he wants to do something in your life? You can't have this happen in the presence of people. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. There was no shame. There was no shame. He didn't worry about being embarrassed. He didn't worry about anything. Have you ever just been in a spot, y'all, where it didn't matter who was looking, who was watching, that you just had a plea to God to have mercy, to have mercy. And I find the next part of this passage so fascinating. So fascinating. And I want to paint the picture for you. Here are the crowds gathering. Here's Bartimaeus yelling. And the Bible says that Jesus stopped. The Bible says that Jesus stopped. 
Y'all, this was an intense cry. This was an intense moment. Everything's loud. Everything's popping off. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stops. There is something about the sincere cry of God's people that even on the way to his death, he would stop in his tracks. Come on, y'all. Can you imagine just for a moment? Just for a moment. Because see, a lot of times we get ourselves in this spot that God don't really hear me. He don't really hear me. There are things in my heart, there are things in my life that I petition God for all the time, and he just doesn't hear me. But in the midst of everything, in the midst of a rambunctious crowd, in the midst of people who may not even believe in this miracle worker that was passing through, people who are naysayers, people who are literally in the mix of what's going on, right? But the Son of God heard a sincere cry of his people, and he stopped. He stopped. And I often think to myself, like, Marcus, it doesn't matter what you pray for. Marcus, like, come on, bro. Like, Jesus is going to do exactly what he said he's going to do, right? Like, we, all, we almost trivialize amen, amen. what God is going to do, right? Well, you said in your promises you're going to do it, so I got to imagine you do it, so I just got to forget this thing that I'm thinking about. So, like, it's almost trivialized. Like, we don't even feel the passion anymore. We just are saying the words. But we serve a God that the moment he hears your voice, that he would stop immediately to see who calls him. And here's what's interesting about the next part of the text. The Bible didn't say that he looked around to see who called him. Mm. He didn't look around to see who called. It didn't matter who called him. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible said, call him. Whoever him is in this moment, call him. My child is yelling out for me. And I know that I'm going to ransom the sins for everybody in the world. And I know that eternity depends on me. And I know all these things are happening at the same time. But there's something about when somebody calls my name that even on my way to death, that's not even more important than what's happening here. Somebody called me. Call him. Call him. So they say that they begin to gather Bartimaeus and they walk toward him. And they say, have good cheer on your feet for he is calling you. How many of us remember the feeling when God called us? What must that have felt like in the moment? See, sometimes our call gets a little bit dull, right? Sometimes we just don't want to do the thing that God is calling us to do, right? It's not as exciting. We've lost the luster. We lost the, the very thing that enticed us into the ministry, right, in the first place. We begin to lose it. But then you see in this particular passage that the disciples went over to Bartimaeus and said, on your feet, have cheer, for he is calling you. And I want to challenge us this morning. As we think about our own call, I want you to think about the disciples as they surrounded him and said, have good 
cheer on your feet for the king of kings is calling you. You can't afford to be sitting there in your seat and not doing anything. You can't afford not to pay attention to the king of the universe enticing you to do something on his behalf. You cannot live with breath in your lungs and be created in the image of God and pretend like this stuff don't matter. Call him. Disciples, pick him up. Have good cheer. For the king is calling you. So we see Bartimaeus. I imagine he staggered over to Jesus, probably just being propped up because he couldn't see, making his way over to Jesus. He stands before Jesus. And Jesus asked this sort of random sounding question. What do you want me to do for you. Now, this is a man who has all kinds of needs, y'all. He's probably hungry. I mean, this, he was a beggar. He's probably hungry. He's probably thirsty. He probably needs new clothes. But he's headed over to have an encounter with the king. And I don't know about you, but sometimes the very thing that's surrounding you is the very thing that you need to get off of you. Don't miss this part when he's called. The Bible says he throws the cloak off of himself as he was headed toward Jesus. And here's the reality. That cloak meant so much to Bartimaeus. See, when you don't have nothing, something means something. When you don't have nothing, something means something. This will protect his body from bugs and insects and animals, right? This would protect his body from the elements of the cold. But when he was called, he flipped the cloak off of his body because Jesus was calling him. He stands and he has a face-to-face with Jesus. He has a face-to-face Jesus, face-to-face meeting with Jesus. And here's the deal. It's the same Jesus that you sing to. It's the same Jesus that you preach about. It's the same Jesus that you pray about. He has an encounter with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And what's amazing about it is they could not have been any further apart in life. You're talking about the king of the world, the promised Messiah, the one who is and is to come, the son of David. And he's standing face to face with a blind beggar. Can you imagine just for a moment? Jesus is standing right in front of Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus is looking Jesus in the eye. Jesus, with the most penetrating eyes in the world, literally the light of the world is staring into darkness. He's aware that he has all power in his hands and that this particular individual has none. All the riches in the world belong to Jesus, and this man had nothing. But Jesus still stopped for him. 
Can you imagine in your own life feeling so polar opposite from Jesus? That your sin so influences your mind. That you act in ways that you don't even want to act. Not even knowing why you're doing it. And most of us are here. We're dressed. We drove here. Jesus is looking at the polar opposite of himself. Then all of a sudden, your faith has healed you. Here's the deal. When you're looking Jesus in his face, and everything else in the world tells you that this is not your moment, that this is not your time, Oh, God, y'all have something on the inside of you that I can feel even standing up here. That very thing that's about to burst on the inside of you if you don't let it out. And the church is bleeding because you have not let it out yet. There's something on the inside of you that the world hasn't seen yet. You mean to tell me that the maker and creator of all things, the one who gives you a different face and different fingerprint, the one who has destined you before you were ever born, he has something for you to do. We can't sit here and pretend like it doesn't apply. And Jesus is saying, listen, if you have things that are separating you from me, I'm willing to stop my journey to death to show up for you. I don't know what books you got to write. I don't know what song you got to sing. I don't know what message you need to preach. But there's something on the inside of you that if it doesn't come out, y'all, we're in trouble if it doesn't come out. We, some total of the body. And the Bible says he thought so much of Bartimaeus that he would heal him right there on the spot. New vision. It's tradition for many people to have resolutions this time of year. New vision, new me. 2022, what it do? I don't know, right? But the reality is, is we have a vision for ourselves about what's to come in this next year. But y'all, we have to recognize all the things that have taken place in this story before we can get it. See, Bartimaeus knew from the very beginning that there was something about Jesus, that he was the promise very early on, son of David, would you have mercy on me? Would you see me for the first time? And what I find so interesting as I get ready to close is what I find so interesting is Jesus told him after he had healed him, go about your way, Bartimaeus. Go about your way. But could you imagine that the first thing that you saw when you opened up your eyes was Jesus Christ? Sure, it was abounding in honey and cypress and balsam and roses. And it smelled absolutely amazing. Sure, it was a beautiful town. And sure, I've never seen the blueness of the sky. I've never seen the greenness of the grass. But none of that matters when I just saw the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. None of it matters 
when I've just laid my eyes on the most beautiful thing that I've ever seen. And Jesus said, listen, just like he told many other people that he healed, he said, go. Think about in John 4, he told the woman at the well, go. And she went, and he says she preached in the Decapolis, right? Decapolis, right? Ten cities. She went and preached in ten cities. Go. How many people did Jesus heal? And he said, now go. Sometimes he said, don't tell nobody. Other times, they went. Not Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus saw Jesus, and instead of leaving, he followed and I don't know how many of you in here, because there can be an assumption sometimes we're only talking to believers. I need you to know if you're not a believer, if you don't know this Jesus that I'm talking about, this Jesus is also for you. If you are a believer, we got work to do in 2022. The body is waiting. You have the king of kings, the Lord of lords, looking down on you, gifted you completely, put everything on the inside of you to let go, and you are refusing to unleash it. Oh, I'm stepping on your toes this morning, because I'm you. I'm stepping on my own. There is something that we're missing if you're not faithful. What is God calling you to this morning? What have you been running from? that God is telling you, I need to draw you near. What is the very thing that's preventing you from seeing Jesus in the way that Bartimaeus saw him? That just, just to listen. It started off because he heard the crowd and he inquired about what was happening. You have heard about Jesus this morning. You're now aware that you have enough power on the inside of you that if you just call his name, that he'd be willing to stop in his tracks. He's not too busy to see you. All the hosannas, all the holy of holies, all the things that will be lifting up on Sunday morning, listen, it is great, and he's basking in it just like his word says. But when he hears it, imagine hearing all individual voices and yours not being amongst them. I asked you to do something earlier to stand up and open up your hands and receive the master. To give yourselves a posture of worship. For a God who's willing to do literally anything for you to be close to him. For you to have the joy that you've been missing. So I'm going to ask you to stand up again. Stand to your feet. Thank you for joining our family in North Charleston as we heard God's word preached today. We would love to connect with you. You can find us online on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Send us a message to learn more about what Radiant Church is doing or support the vision of Radiant Church at radiantcharleston.com giving.